Are you doing the same thing you've always done? Are the same people dealing with the same issues? Is there a stressor that could easily be resolved but hasn't been yet? You may be on autopilot in your worship planning and style. Welcome to the Worship Leader Toolbox podcast, where our mission is to equip local church worship leaders and teams in practical components of local church leadership. We'd be honored to have you share, rate, or subscribe. And if you have questions, we'd love to connect at worshipleadertoolbox.com. We're thrilled to have you listening to our podcast, and our prayer is that it's helpful to you and your ministry team. Let's head now to today's episode. Planning creative, inspiring, engaging, and uplifting worship is hard work. It takes time. If you go into autopilot, you're robbing your congregation of a live worship. We're going to talk about some ideas for making sure we're making the most of our worship planning and leadership. You may not recognize my voice here since this is the first time on the podcast, but my name is Dave John, and I'm here with Tim Price as we continue to join you in your ministry through encouragement and ideas. Yeah, that's great. And I appreciate you, Dave, joining me here. It's great to have you be a part of these podcasts. And since this is the first one that you have been a part of, it might be cool to have you share a little bit so people get to know you. And so just a couple of quick questions. One, in what ways are you involved in music and worship? Well, for the last two years, we were at the bridge in Alton on a monthly rotation and uh, doing some other special things. And we had the opportunity to fill in at the bridge in Glen Carbon, not associated, just happens to be a coincidence, and it gets confusing when we <laughs> are making this transition. Uh, we were filling in a couple of times, um, and then we realized how much they were in need of people, of musicians and singers and things, and how much the bridge in Alton had a plethora of people, and they're yeah. a really excellent program. So it was a tough decision, but we decided to offer our services, and, and we're now the full-time uh, worship leaders at the uh, the Bridge in Glen Carbon. So one of these years when people say, uh, talk about longevity in ministry, you can say, we've been at the Bridge for seven years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, and we, we have some uh, community projects coming up between like several churches, including these two churches. So we are technically the Bridge from Bridge to Bridge. So, oh, wow. The dad bridge, joke uh, of the day. I like it, yeah. <laughs> So tell us a little bit more about your life, just, um, you know, family, just so everybody knows a little bit about you. Well, we've got a house full of kids, and they all love uh, music as well. We're trying to uh, teach them a few things about a few things. Um, Jed has been playing bass for us for a little while. Um, Judah is uh, actually jumping on ukulele pretty well, and I think there's a place for ukulele in worship. Um, (laughs) It's definitely growing in popularity. It is. It is. I mean, even even on a larger scale, it's it's cool whenever you have one guy playing uke for a real laid back song, and it kind of gives a different flavor. But there's a blend you can really get. It almost has a mandolin quality mm-hmm. whenever you throw a ukulele in there. And uh, Christian, we're not really sure about him, but he's he's been hitting a few things, so we might turn him into a drummer. Oh, that's cool. Um, and then your wife sings with you too. She does. And in fact, she she does most of the singing. Um, we have a, a really good team dynamic of uh, she has uh, a lot of vision and she chooses the songs and things. And I'm able to put them in the right key, make arrangements of them, make them unique. And uh, I'll sing harmonies with her a lot. Although she did make me sing lead on uh, the Matt Meyer um or Matt Mayer, <laughs> yeah. Nobody, it? everybody, everybody says it twice when they talk about it. Okay, <laughs> the Lenin song, 
And um, because she likes to see a grown man cry. <laughs> this is one. Re- this is some background information about me. Maybe we'll cut this out. But I am extremely emotional when it comes to doing music. I, I'm moved, and I cannot help it. And so it worked well the first Sunday. It did not work all that well the second Sunday, and I had to politely bow out and turn it over to her. But uh, that's a fun fact about me. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't cut that out. It, music is the most emotional thing. Okay. So that's why it's a, a thing. Well, I could ask you another question and say, how'd you get involved in the Worship Leader Toolbox podcast? But it basically happened because we were sitting around at family reunion type stuff since we're related, and we said, hey, it'd be great to do this. And so now we are. Oh, I do want to add one more thing. Um you said tell you about my life. Um, Monday through Friday, I teach music online. I teach guitar, ukulele, bass, um, and also origami and Minecraft, and that's fun. Um, but uh, the exciting thing is I'm getting a lot more students on this. This is an atheist platform I work for. Uh, well, secular, I should say secular. Um, <clears throat> and for some reason, I keep getting these requests from these parents that say, hey, do you do you teach worship music? I mean, it's not advertised wow. on my on my teach profile at all. And now I've got um, one, two, three, four. Um, so probably a good twenty percent of my uh, of my students are there, and we're doing worship music on this secular platform, the hmm. secular teaching platform, and it's just wonderful. Wow, that's really cool. So we're getting into our topic here for this Save in the Eighth episode. And we're talking about some issues of going into autopilot as a worship leader and planner. Yeah, and this word autopilot is uh, interesting to me because I find myself saying it quite a bit. Uh, just, you know, with our group, they'll say, are we going to do this twice? We're we going to do it three times. And, and I'll have to sit there and really think hard if we are going to do it twice or three times because I've been singing this song for a decade and a half or something. And it's just impossible to dissect it immediately. It's like muscle memory for me. And so I will say something like, well, I think we're going to do it twice, but if I go into autopilot and we do it three times, just follow me. And those are some you know, good band dynamics, and it's cool. And um, it just makes me think, though, that if uh, you know, I'm kind of aware that if I don't ride out or plan for a different intro or story or transition or ending to a song, then I definitely wind up reverting to what I've always done or said before. And I'm sure everybody is like that to some degree which is why planning is important and why it takes some work to do it. And as I've mentioned in a previous post um, just recently, that there are times when worship leaders need to hit the gas pedal and other times that they need to coast for a while. And um, so it dawned on me that as we are recording this podcast episode, that some people might think that we have just said, hey, it's good to coast sometimes. And now we're saying, hey, don't go into autopilot. So on those times when you are in a season of just, you know, coasting a bit, then maybe autopilot in some way is happening a little bit. It's okay for maybe a Sunday or two to focus on really doing simple stuff really well. So that's basically the gist of it. And, um, before we get into this list here, but, but I guess one more word, um, before we get to the suggestions is that there are some places in your ministry where you don't want to discount autopilot. It really can come in handy. Like some of the habits you create to instill that you do certain things each day. You want to be praying and seeking God, reading his word, tithing, physical discipline, spiritual disciplines. That's a great place to get autopilot mindset working for you. But as far as the stage goes, then we want to try to stay fresh. That's good. 
So we're going to get to these ideas for making sure we don't get stuck on autopilot in a bad way. Here are some ideas for turning off autopilot. And the first one is write prayers. Yeah, this is one that um, can seem a little bit weird at first, but most often when worship leaders pray, they have kind of a, a formula. They kind of pray the same way about the same time. They, they intro people in the same way. They'll say the same phrase like, let's bow our heads or let's go before the Lord. All those are great things, and we don't want to dissect this to the point that it becomes unnatural and, and non-authentic. But prayer is talking to God, and we can do that anytime, anywhere. Public prayer allowed with the congregation is praying on behalf of others. So when we write out prayers, at times, it helps us better articulate our prayers on behalf of others. And so I don't know if you found that to be that way, but... Um, sometimes in planning center, we will put a prayer written out so that we can, um, kind of read, pray that prayer as we flip through the songs. And it just makes it a little fresher and different, especially if there's a specific need to be prayed for as a community or a nation or something. So I think, uh, writing them out is a good idea because then everybody's on board with the same, uh, mindset of, Oh, this is specifically what we're praying for today. Um, and they may even add something if you have that kind of dynamic of, of somebody jumping in on the prayer. Yeah. And it makes it a little bit better for other people to feel comfortable praying. Often, if you write out the prayer, you may not even really look at it, but the fact that you've written it kind of leads you in that direction of this is what we're praying for on behalf of others in the congregation. And if you're trying to include others in your worship team and not just the main person, then writing it out is a great way to do it. Nice. Well, let's move on to number two, coach leaders. Yeah, so we're talking about trying to stay off autopilot. And so one of the questions you can ask if you are the the driver of the ministry, who is serving as a leader in your ministry? And how can you help take them to the next level? And so um, autopilot to this point for you might be that you're the one who always sings the songs or always does this or always does that. One way to get out of that mode is to raise up other leaders around you. So one of the ways you would do that is the kinds of things you could think of, the kinds of things that kind of stress out people because your schedule is already full. How are you going to meet with them and provide training and provide resources and all that? But here's one little tip, and that is to teach values more than skill and watch God start using you know people around you. And if we could teach them the value of the fact that the church is, you know, helping to lead themselves, their congregation of worship, then you can hand off things to people. And that is going to, you know, sometimes that, that proves to be a little messy, <laughs> but that's going to definitely change the autopilot mode. Cause all of a sudden now you're not singing every single song. You're not doing every single direction giving. So I like it. It's more organic. Uh, and speaking of uh, messy and organic, I'm going to ask you a question that we hadn't talked about yet. Sure. Um, what, what, how, how do you, how do you spot a leader. You know, if there's people that saying, Hey, I'd like to be a leader. Well, that's obvious, but the, the ones that are just working in there, maybe the quiet type or something, how, what are say two or three things that, you know, Hey, this guy, this woman is a, a leader. Well, that is like a good question and a whole probably other podcast episode. How do you, spot <laughs> okay. leaders? but, but just for think about it and we can make notes for next time to think about doing this. But, um, sometimes you can, um, sometimes you, I mean, you can obviously just tell if somebody is gifted in music, then you help them to 
uh, add things to their life that will allow them to be more effective. One of the best two, I have a couple tools that I've used. One is that, uh, the quote from Craig Grishel that says, we don't hire great leaders, we build them. And so instead of just running around looking for somebody to show up and do the thing, you find people in your church and, and raise them up. The second thing that motivates me is that if somebody in our ministry was ever to leave the church, to move to another town or to go off to college or whatever the, the situation is, and they find another church, I want that church to be able to look at this person and say, wow, amazing. That is, where'd you come from? You, you are a leader. Like that is a motivation for me to invite people to step into leadership. Sometimes I'll just take our song list, look at our team, and I'll just assign a name by a song and um, just you know see if that resonates with them or if they freak out. If people start freaking out, then a lot of times they'll kind of start waning back a little bit and they don't want to be, they don't want to be put in the hot seat and the pressure of doing it. And so you find those people that are like gravitating toward the hot seat. Like one time I accidentally scheduled somebody on planning center. They were supposed to just be a bass player, but I put him in for the preacher slot because the matrix was kind of allotted wrong. And I actually did, I actually did that with like six people somehow. I don't know how that happened. It's been several years. Oh, man. But what in the end I got like emails from these people that were like, Oh my goodness. I was so freaked out when I saw I was supposed to be the preacher. I didn't know what was going on. What are you doing? And one guy out of the four people or whatever it was, was like, Oh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> so ever <laughs> since then I thought, I wonder if that guy like, you know, has opportunity sometime to, you know, preach just because he wasn't repulsed by the fact that he was accidentally placed in that slot. So I don't know if that answers the question. I could probably talk all day about that, but that's a few things I think about. Well, I could talk all day about accidents being <laughs> divine and things being set up because of, oops, I did this thing. I thought it was a mess up, but it turns out, wow, that's actually a great idea. Let's go with that. Wow. I, that's really I, good too. I don't, I don't have any examples right now because I'm not prepared for that, but I've, uh, there's yeah. been songs written, there's been, and, and jokes and, and different things come up from, from that kind of stuff, but there's been some really Yeah, definitely some things are serendipity, serendipitous that seem just random, actually, yeah. springboards that the Lord mm -hmm. uses. So. Well, the third point is recruit new people. Yeah, and we could probably, I mean, this is, we only have a couple lines on this because this is pretty obvious, but if you get new people involved in your ministry, then the autopilot of things is going to change. And I was reminded of that even recently that um, we wound up having somebody new in our group. And I found myself kind of reiterating all the stuff that we've all grown into and haven't really mentioned in a while, like dress code on stage or what we, um, you know what what time we're supposed to be there on Sunday just the simplest things and it just kind of revives the 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 verbalization of the purpose of our ministry when somebody new is there and that's one part of it the other part of it is is that you wind up you know um adding a different dynamic cuz different personality and we usually introduce new people who are there so that just kind of changes it but i also have learned that when somebody is new in a team then it kind of makes the whole team act like they want to be. So, you know, I noticed that when somebody new is there for rehearsal, the rest of the team kind of is more engaged in community with one another. Like there's a little more high fives or a little more sarcasm or a little more like, uh, you remember this night, remember that night. It's like they're more, they, they kind of want to live like they want to be to show this person. Yeah, this is how we are. And so that definitely forces people 
uh, out of the regular flow and all that stuff. So. In your experience, um, how how soon is too soon to introduce a new person? Every three months, every six months? Oh wow, that's that's interesting because I I spend a lot of time praying. I have a, a checklist on my prayer list every morning, praying for new leaders in our church. And it's one of the many things that I check off my calendar. And the next morning, they're all on there again. And I pray for them again. And I keep praying. And so when people show up and mention anything about being a guitar player or a worship leader, or they'd like to try to find out how to serve or be a part of things, I assume that's an answer to prayer. And then I know some churches have huge audition sequences and you know processes and all that. Ours is a little more personalized and organic because you pretty much, I'm the gatekeeper. And it's not so much like how often somebody new is around, but I guess that it probably is three, excuse me, three times a year that I, maybe four that I, you know, kind of stop the songs and to sort of say, all right, you know, before we do this next song, just want to continue with our tradition that somebody new is on stage and just want to introduce them and, you know, let you all know that they're serving today and want to welcome them and everybody claps. That's kind of like a, a rhythm that we have that happens probably every 12, 14 weeks throughout the year. So, okay. Uh, we have point number four, add new songs. Yep. And again, new songs add a level of urgency to your musicians and vocalists. They'll keep things fresh for you and the worshiping congregation. So the example I gave, I think at the beginning of this recording was that sometimes I'll go into autopilot singing a same way that I've done a song for 15 years or something like that. If you do a brand new song, you don't have that option. So <laughs> that definitely mm -hmm. takes away the, the autopilot. And, and even for um, a worship leader person who is kind of in the driver's seat of the whole ministry, um, yeah, it's just hilarious that sometimes we just get so much in a, in a groove that you hardly have to even practice before Sunday morning because you already know who you say I am and what a beautiful name. Like You can just pull those out in your sleep. And then all of a sudden you pull out the new song and then you find yourself sitting down on Saturday night trying to remember how the bridge goes. And so it's just a different kind of level of uh, intensity that is good for worship teams mm -hmm. uh, on a regular basis. So new songs really do help. Question. Side note, little trivia. Do you go for the song select um, and make it easy to uh, pull up different keys and, and, and just print it out and everybody comes and goes by that? Or do you prepare your own worship music, maybe you leave out those three tags that Song Select has. Maybe you have, um, anyway, do you, do, which, which one of those yeah. do you do? We're, we're basically, we have a huge identity crisis in that regard, and we do a little bit of all of it. So some songs have been in there forever, and they're already like totally marked up, and we already said skip that whole big long ending tag, and mm -hmm. it's already X'd out, and everybody's used to that chart, and we just go with it. And sometimes... Um, it makes me laugh because we have to stop during rehearsal and say, okay, don't forget, we're not doing this, we're not doing that, because the song select chart doesn't match up with the backing track or whatever other scenario is going on. So recently, and probably more so since we've started using backing tracks in the last few years, we have more songs that we have charted out ourselves, put into big font, so that when you change the keys, it's easy, and it's exactly the way the track goes, and that's really handy. Mm -hmm. So what what do you think of the idea of um, simply putting verse one up uh, the chorus and then maybe the bridge verse two something like that without all the dynamics of go here go here go here and just have it laid out and then 
flowing in the spirit, as you will. And maybe maybe the leader is going back to verse one because it's nice, or they're doing the chorus two times instead of one time. Or what, what do you think of that kind of dynamic? Well, there's certain places where that works really well. And um, I've learned that when we're at like conferences or camps and we have a group that's played together for five years, then we can just about do anything. And the reason we can is because we are ultra prepared for these nine songs. Like Mm -hmm. in the harvest ministry side of my life, we learn like 12 songs and we change the people every event. Ah. And the ministry of church side of my life, we have the same people and we change the song every event. And so if you're going to come across as more spirit-led and free-flowing, you actually need more pre-planning. You almost have to plan out the opportunities for the spirit to lead in that way. If your people are tentative, you have to have a flow. And like we experienced last week, if the screen in the back that people are counting on for the most part, especially the vocalists in the front, um, the front row, if that goes haywire, you, I mean, you're, that's like your lifeline if you don't have the song memorized. And so, um, yeah, there, there's a, there's a lot to the difference between free flowing spirit led type feel and, and more rigid and, and they both work together. So good. But as far as instrumentalists, I think just the basic flow might not be too bad. Just here's here's the chunk one, chunk two, chunk three, and let the vocalist have the lyrics. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't be too bad either. But it kind of is that way. Sometimes there's a three-page song, and those guys don't turn off the first page because it's just first course, first course anyway. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I I like both ways too. We've we pulled songs off a of song select and then decided, oh, we don't want the – this tag this tag or the outro or whatever and so we cross it off as long as everybody's there at practice or or whatever then they can cross that part off too um if we have it the other way of the more organic like i like to arrange everything myself because i like everything to be on one page i like to be Mm -hmm. able to just fit it in and not have to flip a bunch of pages two column thing well Yeah. yeah two columns remove all the margins which if you're punching holes that doesn't work very well because you're punching some of your words out but uh, remove all the margins and put it in a larger font and, um, and put it that way. Well, I, I like it that way because it, it can flow. But on the other hand, you, you do have to have the people who are prepared to flow as, as opposed to prepared to follow in a script. Yep. And I mean, and again, we could talk about this a long time, but the, basically the, um, the idea that I have in my mind is that the songs work for your church. You don't work for the songs. So, this might make some people upset, but I don't have much thought for the integrity of the intention of the song. I want it to be theologically right and I want it to be good and solid. But if there's a, you know, if the recording, whoever did it has 19 bridges in it, then we're going to chop off a bunch of those because that doesn't fit with our church. And I have no qualms about changing a song to fit with our church. Hmm. And that's just the way it works. So, so far we've talked about writing your prayers, coaching leaders, recruiting new people, or adding new songs, and in a moment, we'll get back to the last two here. We're back, and here is number five of six, new transitions, and I like this idea because it does require some creativity, and too many leadership teams don't break out of their typical mode. Yeah, I think um, we actually have a blog post somewhere of of 14 transition ideas, and um, sometimes I get a little cynical when, when the transitions for worship teams become prayer. Like we're going to pray and then the team's going to magically disappear from the stage and then we're going to pray again. They're going to appear back while you weren't noticing. So sometimes I get a little, you know, that's a little goofy, 
Although you had to have some kind of transition. You got to get on there and get out there and all that type of stuff. But there are just a lot of ways to add transitions in. And that is part of what helps, you know, part of planning this out is what helps people not just do the same ordinary transitions all the time. And so sometimes we, we welcome people with a song and it's always good to have a joyful song. Sometimes we have the welcome and greeter prayer person start right away after the countdown. Sometimes the countdown works. Sometimes it doesn't. We just start organically. Um, there's all kinds of ways to, uh, reading scripture, offering all kinds of different ways that, that you can do that. And what if instead of just saying, good morning, church, let's stand together and sing. You said, Hey, before we sing today, let's listen to the scripture as we are called to worship. Some people always start with a scripture. What if you just said, Oh, let's stand and sing, you know, just kind of throw people off a little bit and, and throw yourself off a little bit so that you're not in autopilot of saying the same sentence at the start of worship every single time you get together. Now, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about accidents being a very good thing a lot of times. I've, I've learned that accidents... Actually, I've got this great story of accidents and a particular chord that, I was, that a student was trying to play, and it they played it wrong, but then that wrong chord was just an amazing sounding chord, and I wrote a whole song based around that chord because it was huh. just great. But um, if you are used to reading the scripture, and then you accidentally just say oh, please stand. You forgot the scripture. That might be one of those dynamics of you made this mistake, but hey, mm-hmm. look how well it worked out just this Sunday. Yeah. So. And, and just that change on an ongoing basis is part of what keeps people from, you know, yeah, there's a there's a book that was called, um, um, actually I don't remember the title, but it was uh, Dan and Chip Heath, and it was about making moments, creating moments. And it was a secular book about marketing and hospitality, but it so applies to worship that people's minds just get into a mode where they're not thinking anymore because this order of worship is so commonplace in their, in their lives. Cause they do it every week. But if you just change the script a little bit, then their mind has to scramble to think and try to reconcile what just happened here. We don't have the normal flow what's going on. And so uh, if that can change on a more regular basis, then people are, are more inspired and the more, mm-hmm. more inspiration there is from breaking the script, the more likely people are able to encounter Christ. You do make people uncomfortable because there is a, a group of people that like to have the same dynamic and format and and exact amount of 53 minutes for the service or yeah. whatever. And uh, you shake their foundations a little bit when you do that, and that's a good thing. Yeah, and then, I mean, there's there's a place for tradition and ritual too, but you can incorporate that while not just being in uh, status quo. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's the hard work of all this. <laughs> It is <laughs> the balance there because yeah, if you go to one side where it's completely mapped out, planned out, and it's the same every every week, that's not good. But if it's completely random and nobody knows what's going on, that yeah. that's not also very helpful either. No, so. that's true too. Well, number six is bring in students. Yep, students are learners and learning. And if you're talking about getting a high school student or something involved in your ministry, then by nature, they can't be on autopilot because they haven't been doing it long enough. So there's just tons of great benefits for involving students in, in your church and partly to help the future church and partly just to have a fresh perspective for your team members and, and your church in general. And we had this just two or three Sundays ago where two of our high school seniors led worship for the Sunday. And I'm just always reminded that there is so much grace and opportunity there. Like if you want a certain style of music to become more normal in your church, have the youth do it first because then the <laughs> people are like, Oh yeah, that's the youth doing that. So they're totally with it. And then later on you kind of pull it out and it's not quite as, it's crazy. So 
yeah bringing in students always adds an element of um of not autopilot <laughs> nice nice always keep them guessing good well it's been great to talk through this we hope that it's been helpful to you any last thoughts tim yeah i guess uh, all these practical things are really important and um you know, you can take one or two of these from this list and add it to your quiver as we've been talking about them here. But I can't help but think that what we really want to do is allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. And so if a worship leader is connected to Jesus and his spirit, then by nature of that, we're always going to be coming up with fresh stuff. I don't think we have to formulate this in a sense that it's like um, unauthentic or it becomes a daunting task. It's more like we are staying fresh because Jesus is moving in our midst. And so that is, um, that's basically our prayer is that you as a worship leader are able to experience Jesus in that way. And it's also great to have you along on this journey of podcast Dave. for anybody listening. This is number one for me and Dave, and we'll have more of these, but it's uh, great to have your part and um, I'm glad you're here today. Thank you so much, Tim. That's all for today. I want to extend our heartfelt thanks for tuning in to join us on the Worship Leader Toolbox podcast. We're praying for you and your ministry. See you next week.